So last week we talked about the shopping cart theory, and uh, for those of you who weren't here, right, so basically the shopping cart theory, when you see all the carts out everywhere, if you don't put your carts back, you're the doom and scourge of the earth, essentially, right? Um, that's kind of what the theory says. No, but it really, it's, it's it, on one level, somebody says it's, it's, the, it's how we can tell if humans are capable of self-governance or not, right? So how responsible are you with your freedom to say, I could totally leave it in the parking lot and it's whatever, but I feel compelled to be responsible to put it back, right? So um, we know Paul is not concerned with shopping carts, but he is concerned with how Christians live responsibly, right? So he's using food as this whole as the vehicle through this whole chapter because again remember in the church of rome you had jews and you had non-jews the jews have all the rules and dietary things and you can't eat meat you can't eat certain meats you can't eat certain things has to be prepared certain ways and the romans who were pagans you know they worship different gods they had different rules right and so you probably can see how just how you kind of see maybe if you hear about this you know kosher food and things like that with Jewish people, you may, you may think, like, well, how can you not eat pork, right? Oh, that's crazy. How could you not eat bacon? You know, do you, why, why would you not want to eat bacon, right? But that's their thing. That's what they wanted to do. And, and interesting, I, for my class I had I, this week, we had to look at um, Daniel. And so when Daniel is, you know, told, they said, hey, you need to eat this food so you can get healthy and, and work in the king's courtroom, right? He's like, I just don't, we can't eat that. We can't eat that meat. And so what it is, I looked it up, it said... That during ba in Babylon, in the kingdom of Babylon, what they mostly ate was horse flesh and pork. Two of the things that are forbidden from for the Jews. So that's one reason, that's the main reason Daniel didn't want to eat the meat. Because it was forbidden for him to eat the meat. So he made a deal, obviously, with to eat vegetables and breads and things like that. And nobody really thought anything of it except the guy who was given the food because he didn't want to get in trouble with Nebuchadnezzar and get killed. Because if, if these guys start getting weak and decrepit and like, oh, I can't make, I can't move, I can't work, then it's like, it's your fault for not feeding them. Because they wanted to make sure their servants were taken care of. Right? But so we kind of see that happening, the different things. And, and, and for us, it may not be food, but we kind of see different, um, different denominations, different, different people who, we all have different ideas of what we can and can't do as Christians. You know, smoke, drink, whatever we talked about, um, Charles Spurgeon, he liked to smoke cigars, and some people thought that was just completely blasphemous, and he's like, look, it's okay. You know, I'm not doing it rudely, but even he made an apology for what he said and how he was quoted and said, I didn't mean it that way, right? So <clears throat> we have these things going on, and so people are always watching us as Christians because we're just, to, to a lot of them, we're just one big group of people, but all, we, all they see is infighting. Right? They just see a lot of little civil wars going on, possibly. We're throwing stones at people. Saying, oh, why, don't you, why do you baptize babies? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And so, like, well, if that's what you're doing, I don't want any part of that. Because right? it makes us look a little foolish. And so I don't know if you've heard of the, the Asbury, Asbury University this past week, this last 10 days now. Um, it's, it's a university in Kentucky. They've had a revival going on since Wednesday afternoon, like February 8th. They've had, like, nonstop... It started with a normal chapel service because seminaries and Christian universities usually have, have chapel that you have to attend, so church service. You attend a couple times a week. This started on Wednesday afternoon, and it's been going on since then, like nonstop. They ever had, had to open up the other chapels. They have people waiting apparently a mile or a half a mile at least in line to get into the chapel to go attend the worship services. 
And so this is a, being termed a revival. Right, so this is revival. It was, it was just a normal service, a normal sermon, normal, normal music, just like we do. Um, you know, and depending on who you talk to, it's a full-blown Holy Spirit revival or it's manufactured. Right, because some people, some of the naysayers, like, well, they're just, you know, I think the Babylon Bee actually had a little, had a little joke article about uh, Asbury Revival started because somebody's project was due the next day. They didn't work on it. Right, so they're just like, let's extend, let's just have a revival. Right, of course it's funny. They're they're, just, they're having a little a little fun with it, but um, we're not going to know exactly what happened or what's going to happen and come out of this revival. But apparently, it's already flowed over to several other seminaries in Ohio and a couple other. I think, I think Texas and Tennessee, so some other like several other sort of, uh, seminaries or universities are having similar revival actions going on. And again, this isn't like a planned thing. Like when you, you have a tent, somebody comes and sets up a tent, there's signs there that says revival service, right? That's, a, that's kind of a manufactured thing, but this is supposedly very spontaneous. So even Jonathan Edwards, the Puritan, he was blamed for manufacturing his part of the Great Awakening in his church in the 1740s. When people were fainting, passing out, getting, being taken by the Holy Spirit, other people thought that this was just fake and he was manufacturing this this, uh, this spirit or this, this excitement just to get people to come to church. And we know that Jonathan Edwards is probably the America's greatest theologian ever. Right? That's kind of what he's looked at as. And so we have to see, because just like you're living around here, we have all the fields, right? We, if you live here long enough, you kind of start noticing which plants are which, right? Like all out here along this road, you know the straw, these are all strawberry fields and, and they only grow like this tall. So when they have all the big lines of white plastic and the little holes cut out, you know that's the strawberry plants. Like for the longest time in Lompoc, there's a place over by the prison that has this weird bush and you never see anything growing. It's grown and grown and grown, like six or seven months it seems like, just grown and grown and grown and grown. And I'm like, there's nothing on it. What is that thing? And all of a sudden, I see these big things. They're artichokes. It's artichoke plants. And I've never seen, I've never seen an artichoke plant. And so there's just this big look at like, you know, they're like little pineapples. These weird things just hanging out. And all of a sudden they turn like green up to pick or whatever, and all of a sudden, like, oh, let's time to harvest those, right? So as you see these things, we don't know what the plants are sometimes until, you, until they bear the fruit. And so we don't know what these, these churches, this, this revival, whatever it is going on, us as people, we don't know what we're going to produce until it produces the fruit. Until you say, oh, there's the fruit right there, boom, right? Because sometimes you see people who are, you would definitely not peg for Christians as Christians, like, I wouldn't have think that, thought that in a million years. But all of a sudden, they're a pastor, they're a worship leader, they're, they're leading Sunday school, whatever it is they're doing. Right? We know that it takes longer sometimes for different plants to, to, to bear different fruits. And so we have to be patient, we have to watch and wait. And so we don't want to do things to upend the plants growing. Right? Just like our trees, if we go out there and dig up our, our oak trees out here, we're... We could kill them, do more damage than we've already possibly done anyway. But with all the rain and everything, you know, we know what it is. But we have to make sure that we are not prohibiting people from growing or prohibiting ourselves from growing. All right. And so Paul is going to, we're going to read chapter 13. We're going to read or chapter 14, verses 13 through 18. And then when we get down to the second point, we'll read 19 through 23. So Paul is carrying on with this idea about eating food and things like that. And so he carries on and says, therefore, in verse 13, therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. 
I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one, it is unclean. For if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy by what you eat someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered for the kingdom of God. Listen, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and receives human approval. Right, so here's our main idea for this part. It's a little bit of the same from last week, but the God-given freedom and responsibility helps us enjoy life and builds up others. Right? What God has given us in freedom and responsibility, they're two, side, they're two sides of the same coin. It helps us enjoy life and builds up each other. We build up one another. Right? And so the first part is that, and their outline is that freedom gives us joy. And so Paul encourages us to not judge others. And just like we talked about last week, that was kind of the transition, is we are free from judging. We are free from bearing the burden of condemning somebody because they, they broke what we think is a law. Right? If you ever had to do that, even when you have to, we'll say, punish your kids, right? You are judging your kids' action, what they did or didn't do, and you're having to degree some kind of punishment to them. Now, unless you're a sick person, that is never fun, right? That is not fun to punish your kid and have to ground them or take something away from them or whatever the punishment is, right? It's not fun, but we know it has to be done. Right? Something You do something wrong, we have to take action to make sure you are corrected, right? That's just what it is. But we should not ever take joy in that. And so when we're free from that, right, because I know those of you who are grandparents, and I see my, my parents as grandparents, they're completely different than when they were parents. Because they are free from the responsibility of technically kind of having to raise the kids because that's my job. Right? That's my job to raise my kids. So my, my parents get to come in and kind of hang out and be cool and be like, oh, what's, oh, we'll get you more cookies later. Don't worry. Right? <clears throat> so they are free to do something. And that freedom, you can see it if your grandparents, it's like most of the time they're super happy. Right? That freedom gives you joy because you can enjoy being the cool parents, essentially, and doing the things you wanted to do with your kids, but you couldn't because you had to do other things. Right? And I want to make sure we're clear on this, that it's, this, is, this is more than happiness. Right? Joy and happiness are, are, are I think, different things. Right? Because happiness is, is something usually temporary and a lot of times it's dependent on our situation. Right? We're happy when the Dodgers win if you're a Dodgers fan. I'm happy when they lose because I'm a Phillies fan. Right, and you know, we're happy because something happened. We're happy because we get to come to church. But we should also coming to church. We should be joyful because we should be joyful no matter what. Right, we're joyful no matter what happens because we know that Christ is doing everything. He is in charge of the world. God is in charge of the world. He is doing everything. So we should know and realize that everything that's happening is for a reason. If we go back to the plant analogy, we are plants. We need rain to help us grow. We need sunshine. We need all these things to help us grow. And so those are necessary parts of, of nature, of life. So we need to learn to be joyful, not just happy. And Paul says that we have the freedom to eat what we want, right? He's like, look, I don't think anything, of, of anything that's on the table is illegal to eat. We'll just say that, right? Because he is fully bought into Christ. He's fully bought into everything that's changed Everything it upended the law. 
But you know, if, if you don't think about change management, so you have people who are early adopters, that's what they're called, right? So hey, we're gonna, we're gonna take the pews out and get chairs. And there's, you know, there's always like the one person who's like, oh, I love the pews, I hate chairs. Right? They're gonna sit in the pew and be like, this is my pew, I'm never moving. <clears throat> Other people are like, let's get these things out of here now. Like, do you want me to take, I have tools in the truck. We will take them out today because these chairs are more comfortable than the pews. So Paul is like, he's got his tools ready. He's ready to go. He's ready to work. Other people, they're like, no, I like the pew the way it is. Just leave it. Can you just leave my half? You know, so you have a pew, right? We'll just have a pew in the middle of the, of the church. Right? That's kind of what's going on here. There are people who are like, no, I've lived my whole life learning and, and obeying these laws about eating and not eating. And that's it. Right? They, it takes them longer to, to make that change. And there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's just, maybe they don't like bacon. Maybe they don't like pork, whatever it is. Maybe they just know that, you know, the pigs wallow around in the mud and everything is not clean. So they don't want to eat that anyway, even though it doesn't get on the inside. Right? But that's okay. Because he says if people want to consider things unclean for them, then it's also it. They're, they are free to make that decision and say, I don't want to eat that. Right? I don't want to eat that at all. And so the, because the most difficult thing about freedom is knowing where the lines of freedom are. How does your freedom impact my freedom? And vice versa. How does my freedom, how do I want to do, when I want to do things, how does that impact somebody else? Right? I'm free to come into work any day of the week or not. But maybe that means Jerry, if I don't come into work, that means Jerry has to work my shift. So I'm taking away his freedom because he had plans tonight. Right? So those are the things we talk about, right? And with COVID, we saw how that worked. Right? Masks, shots, staying home, not staying home, doing whatever, closing your business, staying open. All these decisions that we all work through. And we all had different opinions. Right? We all had different opinions about what we should and shouldn't do and can and can't do, what the government could make us do and not. Right? None of, and none of us were on, none of us not necessarily agreed with each other per se, on different things. We all have different opinions about it. But you know what? We, didn't ever, we never had a fist fight in here. You know, we never got so angry where we were screaming at each other and everything else. Now, part of it is we're, we're closer-knit, so I don't know how you interacted with other people, hopefully the same way. Because they have to make decisions based on their health, and I have to make decisions based on my health. And so we see that, and that's really what this is, because how we use our freedom and responsibility goes to what we're doing and how we see God. Because just because we can doesn't mean we should. Right? My car goes 160, we'll say, whatever it is. But it doesn't mean I can drive that. You know? So the question we have to deal with all the time is, where do I give ground and where should somebody else give ground? Right? So if there's a plate of food out here, we'll just go back to what Paul's talking about. If, there's, if, they have, if they're having a, a potluck, you know, somebody brings bacon in or somebody brings in pork chops. Well, I don't want to eat that. So, but you know what? You can just kind of walk on by and not get them. You don't have to yell at them and say, why did you bring pork chops? You know I hate pork chops. Well, we all like pork chops, so just don't eat it. You know? But also, if you're making it, you, maybe you should say, most people in here can't eat pork chops, so maybe I won't make pork chops. Maybe I'll bring tri-tip, whatever. Because as Christians, we all serve the high king, right? We all serve God. We're all trying to do the same thing. 
All the churches every Sunday morning or every other time they meet, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're worshiping God. Now, we'll, we'll cover some other things on that in a little bit, but just that's all what we're trying to do if we're honest about it. If we're doing it right, that's why we're here. And we're not going to lose anything by letting something go, right? That's how we, sometimes that's, that's the world's mentality. Because Christianity works differently, we have to lose something in order to gain something greater. Right? Jesus says, die to yourself, right? Well, what are we getting when we die to ourselves? We kill our old self? We get a new self, we become a new person. And so Romans 14, 17, and 18 are the key to Paul's argument here. He's right, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. He, again, this is just him using this as an example, this, this little argument that goes to the bigger, bigger topic. He says, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is what the kingdom of God is about. Having solace in the fact that you know that you were serving God and everything that's going to happen turns out correctly. He says, whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and receives human approval. Because it's not about what you eat or drink, but it's about how you live. Do you have peace in God? Are you saying to people, yes, I'm a Christian and this is what I believe, but I am not being chicken little. Right? Just because something bad is happening doesn't mean the sky is falling. Because God is not concerned with what you eat or drink, but he's concerned with your motivation for why you are asking the question if I should eat this or not. Right? That's really what it comes down to. Why are you asking the question? Are you asking it because you want to follow the rules, follow the laws? So you can check the box like I never eat a piece of pork in my life. Check. Or are you saying, I want to not eat pork because it honors God for whatever reason, right? Because if the Old Testament, it's against the law. It's fine, because this honors God. I want to do this or that or not do this or that because it honors God or dishonors God. And so that means, kind of the song said, I would, for the people who are weaker, maybe because they're not along as far enough in their walk as you are. So you kind of learn, right, just like everything, you, a new place, a new job, a new thing, you kind of learn what's what. Right, new job, new damn job, you might wear a tie the first few days. Because you don't know and it's easier to dress up and, dress, and then dress down than dress down and try to dress back up. Then after a while you kind of start seeing like nobody wears a tie. Nobody's wearing fancy clothes or whatever, right? They're just kind of wearing jeans, a t-shirt, polo, whatever. So you can relax, right? Okay, I can, this is what I can wear to work and I'm good. It's the same thing. We get like I'm cutting out everything that's sin. Everything that's perceived as sin, cut off, it's separated. But then you start going, you know what, I can eat bacon. I can eat this. I can, I can drink a soda. It's not going to kill me. It's, there's nothing against it, you know. But I'm not going to make fun of people who don't either. Because that's really what we're doing. Because you making fun of somebody doesn't glorify God for their choices of what they want to do and not do. So one commentator says, says, it is only life empowered by God's spirit, not by the flesh, that can please God, right? Because if we're just making decisions based on what we want to do, we're just fulfilling our flesh. But when we make decisions based on what God wants us to do, we are living by the spirit. He is feeding us. So the food is almost irrelevant, but he is feeding us what we need. So this life, rather than external rules, fulfills the hearts of the law, right? And so that's kind of the gist of Romans chapter 8. So how do you please God? 
by loving God enough to ask the questions about his will for your life, right? That is what he wants. He wants us to rely on him, that we are asking him constantly. Not so much as a good mother may I, but like, will this make God happy? Will this please God? Will this cause other people to stumble? And loving others enough to stop and ask about how your actions affect them. Right? Because, you know, the cussing, right? We all probably cuss. Most people, eventually, at some point, sometimes, even if you're Christians, it slips out. But it shouldn't be your everyday language. It shouldn't be certain just how you talk. But if other people hear that, like, oh, I can't believe that you're a pastor and you said that. Yeah, one, I'm human. Like, I don't get to become a robot, like a Bible robot when you, become, when you go to seminary. That's not how it works. I'm a human trying to do the same thing you're doing. I just have a job where I, ha- I get to dig into the word a little more and, and teach it. But that actually means I need to know it more and live it more. Because I can't teach things I'm not doing. And that's, that's, at least that's how I see it. Now, here's the thing, right? It doesn't mean you stress about what others think about all the time. Right? Just, we're not doing things to please people. I want to make sure we're clear on that, right? We're not doing things and solely stressing ourselves out. Well, how is this going to look and how is this going to that? Because all you really need to care about is how does this look for God? The other thing is, though, how are we serving them? Because when we, when we give up certain things, we're also serving others. And how can you listen to them and how can you understand where they're coming from about their opinions? And again, just like a lot of stuff we saw with COVID, you don't have to agree with them. But you just have to understand and just listen and let them do what they think and explain why they think certain things. Because you're probably going to learn something and see something a little bit more. And maybe it's the fact that, hey, oh, I want to get the shot because my parents have this thing going on. And so I'm doing it to protect them so I don't take it over. There's various tons of reasons for these things. And so whatever you do is whatever you do with that. There's no real right or wrong answer to this stuff. So just as the spirit of the law will never contradict a life genuinely following God's spirit, it is, it is by a spirit-filled character rather than debates about food that one serves Christ properly. Again, this comes back to why are you doing it? Why do you care? Why do you want to do this or that? Is because you genuinely care about what you're doing for God. And so Paul describes this service as pleasing to God and tested and approved by people, a conventional combination for describing what is honorable for everyone. This is one of the commentator's comments about this stuff. is because when you're taking care of people, when you're, we'll just say, nice to people and you get along with everybody, everybody notices it. Right? If you're genuinely nice to people, oh, I don't mind being around that person because they genuinely care. They want to hear about me. They want to talk. They want to see what's going on. They ask me questions. They're not doing things to be mean or malicious. They're doing things from a place of genuine love because they want to know what's going on with me. And so that makes everybody happy. Because we probably all work with people who you know it's almost every time you see this person, it's a fight. Because they want to have their way. They want to do whatever they want to do. They don't care what they do about how other people think. And it's like, well, that's just rude. And we don't have time for that. It's exhausting. But when we stop and think about God and think about others, we are acting as servants. And when we serve others, and when we serve each other, we start to build up each other, and thus we build the church. So this is the the last part of this chapter is is the freedom to build. Verses 19 through 23, 
excuse me, Paul says, so then let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. It is not a good thing to eat. It is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but, but whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because he is not eating, because his eating is not from faith, excuse me, and everything that is not from faith is sin. Right? Everything that is not from faith is sin. And so when we're peaceful and joyful, it's easier to build things up. It's easier to build people up. We're, we're not fighting. What do you do when you get angry? When you get all mad, what do you do? Tear things down? Punch a hole in the wall? Maybe this is a guy thing. <clears throat> um, I punched a few walls in my time. My dad's, at my dad's house, there was, a, there was an imprint from my class ring. I was so mad. Um, a lot of times you see this, right? People destroy things. People destroy things, and, and then we, when we, we learn we can't physically hit things or hit people, what do we do sometimes? We yell. We use our words and our actions just to let you know that we're in a bad mood. Stomp around like a bear. Sit down. Cross your arms. Slam doors. Right. Because I want you to know that I'm mad. I want you to stay away from me. I want you to know that just get away. I'll come out when I'm ready. Right? But, but that puts up walls and, and tears down relationships because if you say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing, you're going to hurt their feelings. You may say things that you can't take back. You may do things you can't take back, and there's maybe other legal consequences. And, you know, you are free to do that. You are free to do those things that act that way, but, again, you may reap the consequences later. And so while freedom is a right, one commentator says, it is not a guide for conduct. Like I said, right, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so love serves the purpose of guiding for conduct. Rights are to be laid aside in the interest of love. And that principle is firm, firmly established by the incarnation. So we, and Paul talks about it in Philippians, but he, in, in a couple of places in the gospel, where we know that Jesus came out of heaven. Everything he had, he's the king. He put it aside. He said, here, guys, take all this stuff and put it in the locker for now. I'm going to go down to earth as a baby, grow up to be a human, and I'm going to get killed in the worst way possible. But don't worry, I'm going to come back. You know, I'll be resurrected and three days later than four days of that. I will ascend to heaven and I will come back to my throne. Right? Jesus, who's the king, did all this and he, just, he gave it up willingly for a time being because he loved us. He loved his people enough to do that, to put aside the fact that he's the king and he said, I need to go down and fix this because he was the only one to fix it that could fix it. So Paul encourages his audience to stop the silly arguments about food and drink because it starts to tear down God's creation, right? So Paul is talking not about the church, but he's talking about the people. Every time you make fun of somebody about whatever they're doing, it tears them down, it, it picks at them, whatever. It, it, they're like, they, just want to come, they don't want to be around you. I'm going to get, when I moved to Maryland, so in, from Pennsylvania, we say pop, right, for soda. So when I moved to Maryland, they say soda, and I, I got tired of it after about a month 
of hearing the word pop. Oh, you want to pop? No, I don't. Just give me a, a Coke, a Pepsi, whatever. Right? So I changed my, my language so I just say pop or say soda instead of pop. And so I say soda all the time now. Right? But that's, that's an easy thing because it was, it was met in jest or whatever. It's just funny. But, but there are people, when we do things that are mean things, like are important, people don't want to hear it. They don't want to be picked on. They don't want to be picked at. Because they're just trying to live their life and they say, look, you told me these rules and I'm just, gonna, I'm just trying to follow them. So that means don't eat this or that. I'm just not going to do it because it's easy. But yeah, you come and tell me, oh, look at you. You don't want to eat this because oh, you think you won't be saved. Uh -huh. It's like, yes, that's what you told me. So that's what I believe. And by the way, I don't like bacon anyway. Right? Whatever it is. I don't like it, so I don't have to eat it anyhow. Because we want to glorify God, so when we're picking on people, it's not, it's not glorifying God at all. But again, going back to Daniel, Daniel wanted to glorify God when he got taken to Babylon. He didn't want to eat the food from the king's table, not because he thought it was better than anybody else, but because he wanted to glorify God because he didn't want to violate God's word. And he didn't want to turn his back on God. You know, he got drugged 500 miles across the desert, roughly across the Middle East, over to Babylon from, from Jerusalem. But he didn't want to turn his back on God. He wanted to make sure his friends did the same thing. Because he didn't say, hey, just give me the food. Just give me the vegetables and bread. He said, give us, right, his, his four friends. Give us the food that we want to eat, that we're allowed to eat. Right? So he took care of his people also. Because we don't know who all was in the crowd that, that, that gets referenced in, in Daniel. But we know they probably weren't Jews. They're from other nations most likely. But he also didn't make those people feel bad about it. To our knowledge, he didn't make them feel bad about eating the meat. He just said, this is what this is for us. They probably could have gotten another deal too. If they would have said, yeah, I don't want to eat horse meat either. That doesn't sound appealing. So I'll take the vegetables and bread. <clears throat> right? Because part of the reason we have so many denominations is based on secondary issues. So one commentator says, Christian history, alas, shows numerous examples of people utterly earnest about non-essentials who have felt at liberty to break the unity of the church for the sake of their particular fetish. All right, so that's, that is part of the reason if you do get into the history deeper of certain of churches and denominations, you know, some of it is, um, like in North Carolina back in the 1700s, part of it was that you know, the city churches, like when you say First Baptist Santa Maria, we'll say, um, they, they would basically be on the track that all their pastors had to have seminary education. Like that was a requirement for, for, these, for the city churches. The country churches were more concerned with, are you led by the Spirit? Do you know the Bible? Can you, you know, preach? So they didn't care about your education on paper per se. They cared about, were you a man of God? And so that had different meanings, right? And so there was a split between the denominations. <clears throat> you know, should we have off on Saturday or Sunday? Should we have one pastor or a group of elders, right? There's a bunch of secondary issues that go on that people say, well, I want to do it this way, and we're going to, do, we're going to go over here. So I'm going to take all my people who agree with me, and we're going to start our own church. You guys can stay here by yourselves. Right? That's actually how the Baptist churches, the Baptist churches got started, because the Anabaptists were doing something differently and they had a couple disagreements and so, so a couple people split off from them and started like the first Baptist church in, in England. 
So Christianity Today says they're about, this is just Baptists, so there are about 50 million Baptists in America right now. Or this is a couple, a few years ago. 50 million Baptists, people who just call themselves Baptists. Now, that's not just Southern Baptists, because if you go to Baylor University, they list out about 22 different Baptist denominations. So there's a lot of little differences in there. <clears throat> but the good thing is they all have a few things in common, right? So the first and foremost is the term Baptist is baptism by immersion and by faith, right? We have a believer's baptism. You, you say, I believe, and then I want to be baptized, so you get dunked, right? Other denominations may sprinkle. You know, we, get, we get the full immersion. Because that, that's really what the, the Greek word baptizo means is immerse. They also have strong beliefs in evangelism and missions. And they have a commonality because the biggest thing in common is the gospel, right? The churches are all working to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. His, his birth, his sacrifice, his resurrection to the payment of your sins. So how do churches do? How churches do these things is sort of up to them. Right? They may have different ministries on how they, how they go out and spread the gospel. So that's up to them. But as long as they stick to the first two issues, they're all Christians, right? Who God is, how are you saved, who's fit for ministry, how you deal with sin after you're saved. Right? Those types of things are the first tier issues, like right? the big theological issues. So that's how we can tell, a, a, we'll say, a true church from a people who are just more concerned with the social aspects of church, whether it's this, the we just want to love everybody no matter what and let people continue on doing their sin all the time, right? That's also not healthy. We have to know that Jesus paid for you to stop your sin. And so it's a struggle. I know that, right? We all struggle with different sins, but that's part of it here where we have to tell people that you need to stop sinning because you're now saved, because you're a new creation. So you shouldn't even want to do that anymore. Like I said, I get it. As we, as we live our lives, it's hard to go. We, we go back and forth sometimes. But how we discuss the first tier issues, the second tier issues, or anything else is important because we need to be respectful because how we act towards others can be a stumbling block to non-believers. So first lesson, as we build people up, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, he says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up as you're already doing. Right? So the Thessalonians, you were getting it right. Hebrews the writer says, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sins and deception, right? We want to make sure people have a good understanding of what sin is today so they can stop doing it today so they can live new lives tomorrow. In Jude 20, it says, but you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, right? So that's what we need to do to do this, to build ourselves up, to build each other. We need to pray. We need to ask God, what do you want? What do I do to glorify you? In our church, just like every other church, we are here to equip the saints in Ephesians 4.12 for the work of ministry so they can build up the body of Christ as well. That is what this is here, right? Where this is a training course. This is us to build up the bricks for you to understand so you can go out and talk to other people. That is what we're here to do. So as the church, we're responsible to make disciples, which includes ourselves, right? Every, you are a disciple. You are being made and remade and built up. Every day you have decisions to make about how you're going to live out your Christian life. Right? Unfortunately, sin doesn't go away when we become Christians, right? It, it actually gets amplified a lot of times. We, because now it's everywhere. You are now aware that everything is sin. Like, wow, I didn't realize how much it was. 
Just like when you get a new car and like, oh wow, look, everybody drives a Dodge Ram. Where'd they all come from? I didn't see these yesterday. They were all there. Not, not everybody just went and had a big rush on the Dodge dealer yesterday. Right after you bought it, right? They're like, I've had this for 10 years. We've had all these, you know, they're just here. But you're just paying attention now. You're just aware. So Paul shows us what this looks like in practice. Since it is better to abstain from what is permitted than to offend, weaken, or cause another to stumble, having the stronger faith cuts both ways. Although it might enable me to eat or drink things others could not, it also obligates me to willingly opt out of partaking in what is permissible for me. Right? So when we do these things, we have responsibility to say, look, I, I'm going to teach this younger, weaker brother or sister and what it's like. And so, hey, I'm going to use my freedom to say, I don't want to have this right now. Because if I have, we'll just say, a beer, that person may be struggling with alcoholism or anything like that, or maybe just confused, like, wait, I thought you couldn't do that. Some people are like, yeah, it's totally fine. Moderation, anything like that, right? There's, there's certain things. But it may just be to say, you know what? You're right. Let's just not have it. Let's just have Cokes. And there's no confusion. And Paul says, keep that between you and God. And it's not you're hiding it, but it's like, look, here I'm good. But I don't want to make other people affect other people's lives and their walk. So I'm just going to not have it today. No big deal. Because how we practice our faith shapes our lives and possibly others' lives. Just like kids, our kids watch us and what we do. New Christians probably watch you as an older Christian to see what they can and can't do. Because we are free to do certain things, but we have a responsibility to always keep our wants in line with God's will. And the question should always come down to, does this glorify God in this instance? Because right? that's the thing, it's, it's this instance, it's this second in life. So we have to be very flexible, because that, a lot of times you can make blanket rules because it's easier just to not have, a, have to think about it, right? Don't drink. That's the rule, Right? I don't, have to, I don't have to guess. I don't have to think about it. It just says don't. But is that really what you want to do all your life? Like, just don't? Now, some things, yes, don't do certain things. I totally understand, right? But it takes more effort and freedom and responsibility to say, should I do this in this time? Right? Because it's harder. It's a lot harder. So maybe you can eat certain foods because it's not forbidden, but if so, it causes someone to stumble again, then maybe you order something else. So does returning your cart glorify God? It might. Are you going to do it every time? Probably not. Except some people. I won't. I know that. I don't all the time. I try. But when I don't, that is the time when I need Jesus. right? Because when we fail, we learn things. First and foremost, we know we need Jesus. When we sin, we learn, we realize more and more. Like, we thought we could do it. Like, I can walk. I'm going to try to run. <gasps> and you fall and bump your head on the, ta the coffee table. Right? Oh, I need a Band-Aid. I can't run yet. I need to slow it down. Secondly, we learn where our weaknesses are and how we can strengthen them. Right? So maybe I don't need to run as fast. Maybe I need to slow down. Maybe I need to keep everything in check until I can get going again. Right? That's what it is. That's, every, that's what we're doing. Because like the revival, if Christ is not at the center of your life or your motivation, then it's all for nothing. Right? So if you're, say you're a Christian, but he's not at the center of your life, you're faking it. 
And it's all for nothing. At the end of the day, Jesus knows, God knows whether you're true or not. Right? Because time will tell, just as Jesus says, people will know my people because of the fruits that they bear. Right? They're going to know, people will know automatically whether you're a Christian, whether you are doing things or not doing things, because they're just going to have to be able to tell. So as we go out this week, right, center your lives back on Christ. Center him, center everything on him. Let him take care of all the things that you need to be taken care of because he'll do it. And if it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. If it's not, it's not. It Maybe you have to wait, whatever it is, right? So let's go ahead and have the band come up and we will transition to our last song, our last couple songs.